Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of The Modern Leader, a podcast aimed to motivate and inspire the next generation of amazing leaders to lead the world better than they found it. I'm your host, Isaac Hackman, a soon-to-be university graduate. Leadership in the broadest sense has always intrigued me and also been something I know I'm born to do. On today's kickoff episode, we're going to dive into a topic very special to me for our discussion. Plus, later in the episode, I'll be joined by a surprise expert guest. Before we get started, if you wish at any point to reference the articles or research used in the creation of today's podcast, please see the show notes for our resource list. Thank you to our top sponsor, the University of Northern Iowa, for sponsoring today's episode. The University of Northern Iowa exists to help students achieve their unrealized potential. At the University of Northern Iowa, we are one. We're seeing a lot of talk on social media today about self-awareness and many boasting about being on the journey to achieving it. Self-awareness differentiates from self-care, which is seen through the very tangible activities such as warm baths or wine nights. Self-awareness is more in line with your deep intellect, and I find this topic very interesting as it plays out and is useful in the professional sense as we apply individual self-awareness to its benefits in a leadership role. For today's purposes, we're going to focus less on becoming self-aware and instead dive into applying one specific personality model to your communication efforts as a leader. There are plenty of other materials, podcasts, books, readings, etc. out there that at length describe numerous ways to aid in a self-awareness journey for you to check out later. I want to start off referencing an article by Michael Hyatt. He concisely lays out five conditions that every leader must meet to be truly effective. They are, number one, leaders must be self-aware. Number two, leaders must know what drives them. Number three, leaders must be committed to growth. Number four, leaders must see the best in their teammates. And number five, leaders must be committed to their teammates' growth. In short, there's no way to effectively lead others if you're unsure what's going on within yourself first. Becoming self-aware as an individual leads towards successes seen between better strategies, decisions, and even improving your professional relationships. I love this quote by Michael Hyatt that goes, when we see what makes different personality types tick, we can develop empathy for our teammates. Empathy, or the ability to understand and share feelings of another, will continue to be brought back into today's discussion as we progress. Well, once we're confident and comfortable in our own self-awareness, how do we look to measure and analyze the differences in the personality types we work alongside? To begin, we must start with a method to identify the various personality types and categorize them in such a way that makes them digestible, and further allows us to understand the connectedness between them. Luckily, many psychologists and philosophers have studied human personality for years, having created some of the personality models we know today. Some of the most popular include the Big Five assessment, the Myers-Briggs type indicator, the DISC assessment, and plenty more. One you may have seen in a more recent resurgence is the Enneagram. For context, the Enneagram is a personality model that includes nine interconnected personality types. According to the Enneagram Institute, the original system was instigated by Oscar Achazo, who began teaching his methods for reaching self-realization throughout the 1960s in Chile. He coined the term Enneagram of Personality. 
Echazo states, we have to distinguish a man as he is in essence and as he is in ego or personality. In essence, every person is perfect, fearless, and in loving unity with the entire cosmos. There is no conflict with the person between head, heart, and stomach, or between the person and others. Then something happens. The ego begins to develop. Karma accumulates. There's a transition from objectivity to subjectivity. Man falls from essence into personalities. Achazo drew upon a theme seen throughout Western mystical and physiological tradition, the idea of nine divine forms. Further, he connected these divine forms with the Enneagram symbol and the three centers of human intelligence, thinking, feeling, and instinct. In Greek, ennea means nine, and gramma means something written or drawn. The visual, a circular diagram with connecting lines between, pinpoints nine different ways of being in the world. Categorized into a numerical list from one to nine, the Enneagram types differentiate between one another, though are uniquely connected in a few different ways. In categorizing yourself or discovering where you align between the nine types, you're able to learn insightful things about the motivations behind your actions. The Enneagram is special in that it goes beyond simply our behaviors and gives us a peek under the hood at our own mind and heart. This means that it comes with a built-in path for self-improvement. It's not necessary that you know and understand your own Enneagram type before listening to the rest of this episode, though if you do wish to take the test and learn more about your own type, please visit our resource list and take the free Enneagram test at truity.com. What's interesting about the Enneagram is there are some other characteristics alongside the base 1 through 9 type categories, one of which is what's called your wing. A wing is one of the nine types directly on either side of your own core type. One of the adjacent types may influence, but does not change, your core type. For example, I'm a type 3, but more specifically, I'm a 3 wing 4. So let's dive into how the Enneagram applies to effective leadership. As we've covered, it's necessary to know about yourself and your own motivations, growth, and behaviors, both positive and negative, by a journey of becoming self-aware. That's where we start. I found this awesome quote from a blog entitled, The Enneagram at Work. Leaders at all levels in business recognize that success comes from focusing the talents of others towards shared goals. Organizations are discovering that their competitive edge comes not from rugged individualism, but from creating effective work groups or teams and maximizing each employee's contribution. Ultimately, the effectiveness of any group or organization depends upon the skill and ability of its members or staff. Through thoroughly understanding the Enneagram personality types and how, on an individual level, people prefer to be communicated with and what work environment they thrive in, you can cater the relationships of those you lead around that. An interview from the 2017 Enneagram Global Summit discussed some of the natural weaknesses of a personality type as referred to as derailers and some of the strengths of a type as gifts. In doing so, this does not suggest that the derailers are complete downfalls of the type, though simply aspects that can be consciously worked on or developed in working with others who may prefer actions or behaviors that are different than your own natural state. It's described as follows. In terms of leadership development, if a seven also understands the other eight leadership styles and they start to go, oh, there's more than the way I approach this. If you get a lot of good leaders in the organization willing to work on their derailers as well as their gifts, it's easier for any single leader to go, oh, well, if this person can work on that, then I can work on this. As I stated earlier, I'm a three. Type threes, called the achiever, 
tend to take on qualities of a natural leader and are frequently found to be entrepreneurs. Two out of two on that one, as I do own and operate my own business, but that's besides the point for today's discussion. As a three, I tend to seek accomplishment and success and fear failure. I'm at my best when I accomplish my goals, I always need to be on the move, and I find that part of how I feel good is when my appearance matches. Threes want our time and efforts to be worthwhile and create value to whatever on an individual level we deem for ourselves to accomplish. We crave authenticity and look to provide the same of ourselves outwardly towards others. We're on a constant road to success based on whatever trajectory we've established for ourselves. For me, that includes a quaint deep in the forest lake home where I can be surrounded by the beauty of nature in my houseplant conservatory. That's my ideal sanctuary. As far as work and professional life goes, I want to contribute something greater to the world. I struggle a lot with what my contributions are and more so how vast and meaningful they are, often lessening their impacts based on my own self-doubts. I find the success factor for me to be a combination of ambiguous professional goals, such as being a top leader and respected by those I manage, having identified my greater purpose and contribution, as well as some very specific material goals. A bigger focus on material goals tends to be common among sevens compared to threes. A question many threes find themselves asking is, what do I truly want? Based on a life of finding our value and attributions can result in muddying what we really want for ourselves instead of a place that looks to achieve on behalf of others or for a greater good. This can separate us from our essential self that holds our core real value. I see the world through a very specific action-driven in particular scope, one that may narrow my perspective just a little bit too much in some cases. Regardless, this creates strengths of myself that include very, very focused and driven and ready to accomplish any task somebody throws my way. At the University of Northern Iowa, great opportunities begin with personal connections. Connections with fellow students, staff, and faculty that make you feel like your voice is heard and it's making a difference. Our faculty makes your learning their highest priority. They're helping you explore your passions in and out of the classroom, creating the real world experiences that put you ahead of the competition. Discover where you belong at the University of Northern Iowa. Your next meal doesn't have to be just another meal because with HelloFresh, it could be a moment. Thanks to HelloFresh's perfectly portioned ingredients that arrive at peak flavor and ripeness and so many delicious recipes to choose from, the whole family can join in on the fun. So go ahead, just relax and dig in. No matter what you're making tonight, let HelloFresh take care of the groceries and meal planning. All you have to worry about is being here in this moment. So make HelloFresh and make your next moment. Receive $75 off your first HelloFresh order when you use the code THEMODERNLEADER at checkout. HelloFresh. America's number one meal kit. Uprising Magazine, the University of Northern Iowa's fashion, social justice, and popular culture publication, brings together students of all different backgrounds and interests. With opportunities in leadership, styling, graphic design, photography, marketing, finance, and more, there's a place for you. Uprising Magazine, join the uprising. As promised, today's episode includes an exclusive one-on-one -on -one interview with an Enneagram enthusiast who happens to also be a good friend of mine. Jessica Wise is a recent graduate from the University of Northern Iowa and was actually one of the first people to introduce me to the Enneagram and really start my interest in it through her deep belief in its power. 
Jess and I had the chance to chat all things Enneagram the other day, and I'm really excited to share with you the highlights from that conversation. Take a listen. Hey, Jess, how are you? I haven't seen you in such a long time. I know I'm doing well. How are you doing? We're going to have to catch up after this, but I know we we absolutely are. It's so great to see you too. Thank you for coming on the podcast today. I'm excited to chat with you a little bit more about the Enneagrams and specifically the Enneagram as it pertains to leadership here as we're talking about that today. But before we do that, kind of wanted to start off our conversation by reflecting on the first time, or at least the first time in my mind that we had a real conversation about the Enneagram. And this was once I had reached a point of interest in it and had begun understanding it a little bit more. So just to fill our listeners in, Jess and I actually went camping last summer together. And this was early during the pandemic. And I remember us actually being quite frightened about how busy the state park was that weekend. And this was prior to masks being normalized and all the things. But anyways, we found ourselves kindly checking in with one another about what the other person wanted to do, when, and how to go about it. And I recall specifically one of the mornings we were hammocking and you were contently reading and I was journaling and just kind of hanging out, but I was very much fighting off the urge to ask you when you wanted to go do the next thing because I was antsy, ready to go, ready to get on the move. And I don't think I very did a very good job of doing that, but um, you were very present and happy to be actively reading and less of a concern about what we're going to do next and you know when that would happen. And I think that's maybe one of the core of our differences, but what I value so much in our friendship from time to time, one of us is going to challenge the other with our differences and our motivations and our actions and that can benefit the other by bringing them outside their comfort zone or perhaps very literally allowing them to stop and smell the roses and that's definitely me in that situation <laughs> following that trip I feel like we gained a deeper understanding of one another's perspectives on the world and you know had situational empathy towards each other too I love that. No, I think that that's great. I think that especially camping, I mean, we're going to definitely dive into the core of ourselves. It was great to learn more about you in that, that place too. You know, it was, it was a really good learning experience for our friendship. Yeah. We got so deep on so many different levels and we had our uh, dancing under the stars, Maggie Rogers night, which I so appreciate. <laughs> yes. Yes. Always. We'll do anytime, anywhere for you. So I want to start off today kind of having you share with our listeners more about your initial intrigue with the Enneagram, um, kind of how you first came upon it, and also why you enjoy it in comparison to many of the other plenty personality models that are out there. Yeah, so honestly, I think like most people, I didn't have much of an interest at first, um, which is kind of crazy comparing to the obsessed that I am now. Honestly, I think that where I got quiz that I took and learning about what I could be and kind of feeling seen through that and learning about it. So at that point, I went on a total learning bender, learned everything that I possibly could learn about the Enneagram structure, about each Enneagram, and trying to find out what fit me best. When I was actually listening to a Sleeping At Last podcast who makes songs about each Enneagram, I was very solidified in the fact that I was a seven. And that was due to Chris Hewitts, who is an Enneagram leader in the um, industry. But I think what I love most about it in comparison to other personality tests is that it is based on those motivations and fears and not behavior-based. You know, it is not, you know, based on your behavior. It's not based on, you know, no shame, but when you're born or where you were born or, 
anything like that. It is literally down to your core motivation and your core fear in life. And I love that. So it is a tool to understand why you do what you do. And what's beautiful about that is that you are now able to clearly communicate to others what your needs and desires are, and even to yourself. So that's kind of how I became obsessed with it and why I like it. Although I should say that I do love other personality tests. I'm a big fan, but this one stands out from the others because it does feel so real and I've never felt more seen and understood, which is obviously what we all seek in life. So that's why I love it. So I know we've already kind of talked about, I explained you're a seven and I'm a three. I explained that earlier in the episode, but will you kind of share about how understanding that and truly knowing your you know, position as a seven and reaching that degree of self-awareness has been beneficial to you over the years? For sure. So I think the biggest thing here is just being able to put into words what I am feeling. You know, for the longest time, I was so unsure why I wanted what I wanted and why I did the things that I did. And obviously you can say, you know, I do it for the money or I do it for the friendship or I do it for this or that. But in all reality, each motivation is just a lighter layer of what's underneath. There's always a deeper motivation to every action and the Enneagram reveals that. So sevens, for example, um, do we, our greatest motivation is freedom. It is happiness, contentment, and our greatest fear is being trapped, being in pain, being deprived. And for a long time, I wasn't sure if that's totally me, but when I started really reflecting on it, every single decision I made, every behavior I had, every thought that I had came down to knowing and wanting that and being afraid of that. And when you get to that core of yourself, you start to understand why you are the way you are, and you can use it as a tool for self-growth and self-understanding. And maybe even more importantly, understanding how I interact with others and using it as a tool to better interact with others, better communication. And I just think that whether it's a friendship, whether it's a family member, whether it is in the workplace, being able to communicate what you need and what you want is probably the most crucial thing you can do for yourself in terms of both success for your personal and professional career, but also just the success of your relationships. Absolutely. I think you point out beautifully that there's a sense of comfort, you know, and understanding and accepting that part of you and kind of the, the, how that is all laid out. And I think too, just explaining that it's so versatile and applicable to so many different types of relationships is another core beauty of how the Enneagram works. For sure. And I think that it's just so interesting, like how I would communicate with you as a three is so much different than how I would communicate with another friend who's a two or another friend who is a nine or another friend who is a six. Like each person needs something different. And when you know their Enneagram and it's correct, you can tailor those communication styles, tailor those needs and wants, and basically be there for that friend in the way that they need, rather than the way that you perceive their needs to be. And can you further kind of share on an experience where you, either as a leader yourself or someone in leadership you worked with, understood and catered their communication or their work style around your needs and your motivations as a seven, like you were just kind of leading into? Yeah. So I think that now that I'm in corporate America, um, obviously that's not a huge tool yet, 
That's something that a lot of companies are gearing towards, but my personal company does not use Enneagram as a tool to understand and communicate and interpret like relationships among the workplace. But I think what's been really helpful here is that I can communicate to my boss what I need. I can communicate that maybe I don't leave out the, the terms of a seven or the terms of the Enneagram, but I can communicate that I am deeply motivated by freedom. And that comes in terms of money and time. So I don't like to be micromanaged. I don't like to work when it's not necessary. I don't like to do X, Y, and Z, but I do like to be rewarded through praise. And I do like to be around very positive people. And, you know, just being able to obviously know that about yourself, but when you come into the terms of the Enneagram, they give you words to use. They give you things to use as tools that you can understand yourself, but communicate that to others. And then in terms of a leadership position, whenever I'm in teams or whenever I am like leading a group of people, I adore knowing everyone's Enneagram. I mean, I had a group of seven or so that I was leading and I knew what each person's Enneagram was so that I treated it two very differently than an eight. You know, eights, I would give a lot of independence to. I wouldn't micromanage. I would give them every opportunity for success um, to be the boss babe that they are, the boss man that they are. Whereas a nine, I'm going to kind of, you know, take under my wing maybe a little bit more. They're going to be just as successful as that eight and just as qualified and can do the work of an eight, but they don't want the conflict, you know? So I'm not going to bring them into those conflicts that they're not ready for. They don't need in their life, right? Or like for a six, sixes are very different than sevens, or at least how I am as a seven. So sevens are very loosey-goosey. We go with the flow. We don't have a plan. We don't like plans because they restrict us. But working with a six, they need very personalized plans. They need to know what's happening next month. They need the security of that plan to make them feel at ease. So just knowing that everyone in the group and where they stand, what they need, I can tailor that to each person and make sure that they are comfortable so that they can do the work that they intend to do and be successful. Do you find that difficult as a leader or do you feel that's just so necessary in your team's success and in your success too that that's just been outwardly successful for you? Yeah, I think that it is completely necessary. I think that for me, just to understand everyone else, I think before I knew the Enneagram, there was conflict within my relationships and I never knew why, but learning about the Enneagram and learning how I interpret others and how they interpret my actions, just, I can predict what they're going to react to and what I can do to navigate those situations so that they don't get conflict where it's not necessary, or they don't get anything that's negative when it's not necessary. And that's definitely a seven's view on it. Um, like each Enneagram is going to have a different interpretation of what those relationships would look like in the workplace. So that's even good to know. It just comes down to seeing the person as an individual and creating a relationship that works for you and them and knowing their Enneagram and how those Enneagrams react to each other is key to a successful working relationship. Well, thank you very much for your time, Jess. It was great to chat a little bit and hear your insight and your knowledge. So I appreciate your time and thank you again for coming on the podcast. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. 
Now, one thing important to me as an individual when openly sharing concepts or ideas is to not leave the listener empty-handed. I want to ensure you walk away from today's podcast with multiple opportunities for action items you can act upon today. Hopefully, one or more of these meets you where you're at regarding the topic of the Enneagram as it pertains to leadership and aid in your own personal development. As a reminder, if you're unaware of your own Enneagram type, you can head over to truity.com and take about 10 minutes or so to complete the free test. I'll start off by introducing the Nine Shapes Project, which is a container to facilitate meaningful conversations via a deck of question cards. Nine Shapes questions are exploratory and based on the nine types from the Enneagram, while still being general enough for anyone to get something out of playing the game. The questions unlock deeper understanding and connection for the relationships you have with those around you. This game can be played in close, intimate circles or in a professional setting as a way to go deeper and understand one another better, discovering that empathy for others. It's $30 and can be purchased at NineShapes.co. A book recommendation I have for you is one called The Road Back to You by Ian Morgan Kahn and Suzanne Stable. The Road Back to You allows a peek inside each of the nine Enneagram types. Once you've reached a point of understanding of your own type and your motivations, behaviors, and thinking, you can begin to start seeing the world through other people's eyes, gaining empathy for how and why people think, feel, and act the way they do, differently than you. A hub of information about the Enneagram, including blogs, events, mentoring sessions, newsletters, and more can all be found at EnneagramInstitute.com. Started in 1997, the Enneagram Institute exists to further research the Enneagram, provide workshops and courses dedicated to the unique aspects of the Enneagram and its relationship to human nature. Additionally, all of the research material utilized in the creation of today's episode can be found in our resource list. Thank you so much for listening to the pioneer episode of The Modern Leader. I'm your host, Isaac Hackman. Come back next week for another leadership challenge.